0: Well, good morning again, church. Good to see all of you today. And uh, uh, in a moment, I'm going to kick back into our series. We got an exciting announcement to make for everyone, and I just wanted to be able to share that with you here this morning. As many of you know, over the last uh, several months, we've been in a transition season as our former worship uh, pastor. Had had stepped out, Steph McDonald, and we're grateful for her service. And during this transition season, many of you know, we have an amazing, amazing team of volunteers that serve our church on a weekly basis. This morning, Savannah, who has been one of our primary worship leaders, just doing an amazing job. Can you give it up for our our volunteers and our worship team every week? Uh, You guys... I have no idea the hours that they spend in prayer, in preparation, in practice, getting here early in the morning to serve our church on a weekly basis, and we are so, so grateful for them. Uh, But as we prayed about what this transition season was going to look like, uh, we were just asking God to bring us wisdom and what that would be, and we are excited to announce that we have uh, extended an invitation, and they have accepted for a new worship pastor. His name is Tyler Vanden and his wife, Kylie. Uh, They are on staff currently at a church in the Albert Lee area, and uh, they have been serving there uh, for the last uh, two years at a different church prior to that, but God has been stirring something new in their hearts in preparation for this season as well as in our hearts, and we are so, so excited uh, to be able to have them come and join us. Both of them are amazing. Amber and I have had the opportunity to spend time with them together, Uh, but what you'll know about Tyler is what we were not interested in hiring a rock star, okay? Okay. And when it comes to worship world, somebody applaud. In, in worship world, sometimes they're like, let's find a rock star. And they'll be like, yep, that's not what we want. We want somebody that can lead us to Christ. And that's Tyler's passion. He is very talented, but he has a heart of a worshiper. He has a heart to serve, and he has a heart to lead us in worship before him. And I know this is going to be an amazing, amazing thing for our congregation and for our team. Uh, He also has a desire to continue to equip and raise up leaders. And so as we've always had, we'll continue to see leaders within our church leading on a regular basis. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh, mark your calendars, June 4th. June 4th will be their first Sunday here, it will be his first Sunday here leading, and so you're going to want to be here that Sunday as we get to step into a new season at the church. Very excited about that. Yeah, super excited. Awesome. Well, we are going to continue in the series that we've been in for the last uh, several weeks. I do, as we're talking about marriage and relationships, and uh, if you... Have been here the last several weeks you remember kind of the things that we talked about back in week number one I talked about one word there's one word that could transform your marriage it could transform relationships and that word is cherish if we would actually cherish do we truly cherish our spouse do we cherish those relationships in our life Week number two, we said, you know, a lot of times we act like vacuum cleaners. And we, the, the call is like, don't, don't be a vacuum. Quit sucking the life out of everybody around you. Instead, the challenge is this. Can we center others and not self? Rather than making everything about us, how can you meet my needs? Instead, how can I care for you? How can I serve the other? And then last week, we talked that marriage is a mirror Relationships are a mirror. They're showing things and revealing things about us, what's going on in us. The question is, will we actually pause and pay attention to what our relationships are showing us? And the question we ask is this, what fruit is coming out of your life? We want to point the finger. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they said that. But in reality, what is it saying about me? What's coming out of my life in this relationship? When the pressures of relationship come, what do we actually see in our lives? And so, that's what we've been looking at. If you missed any one of those messages, I encourage you to go back and watch it. But this morning, uh, we're going to look at a relational command of Jesus—not a, re- a relational request, not a relational suggestion—a relational command of Jesus that is not always fun, but it's absolutely necessary if we're going to experience the life He wants for us. All right. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Matthew. Chapter 6, beginning in verse number 14. And if you're turning there on a phone or digitally, we're in the NIV translation, all right? Would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our text here this morning? Just two verses here for us. We stand in just in honor of God's word. There's nothing sacred about it. It's just our tradition here. All right, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 14. It says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, we thank you for your word. And we believe with all of our hearts that your word leads to life. And so, God, I pray today that you would break down any walls that we have to responding to what you're commanding. Instead, God, I pray that we would step into the freedom that you have for us, Lord. We need your help in this one, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. How many of you know there are things in life that are good for you that not everybody likes, right? Uh, raise your hand if you know that saving money is a good idea. Raise your hand, okay? How many know spending money is way more fun, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? This is way more fun. Same's true when it comes to working out. Like, we all know exercise is a good idea, right? Sitting on your TV eating ice cream, way more fun, okay? It's just more fun. It is. The same thing is true when it comes to food, because there's food that you eat that I know you don't like, but you only eat because you know it's good for you, right? So I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Turn to your neighbor, tell them one food that you eat, you don't actually like it, but you force yourself to eat it because you know it's good for you. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, what is that food? you with us online you can be marking uh typing it in the in the little comment section what your food is all right all right all right uh now I don't I don't know for you uh, you know I've met people before and I don't understand this one little bit there's people that don't like meat and they only eat meat because it's protein and they know they should that makes no sense to me okay <laughs> Like, what's wrong? I don't know what's wrong. But, no, for me, the food, like, it has to be a vegetable, okay? any veg- I don't eat any vegetables because they're good. Can anybody agree with me on that one? Like, there is no such thing as a good vegetable. They don't taste good. They are a thing to hold butter and salt. That's all vegetables are. Or to dip in ranch. Like, that's what a... I don't like vegetables. I'll eat broccoli. Like, I don't like broccoli, but I will eat it because I've convinced myself it's a superfood and it's good for me. And I, and I do that. So maybe you're better than I am. I, I, I hope that someday I will grow up and be as good as you and eat my vegetables and taste good, but whatever. Okay, but this, this command this morning that Jesus gives us is like that food that you don't really like to eat, but you eat it anyways. Okay? I'm going to be honest. Because the command Jesus gives is Forgive. Forgive. It's not a suggestion, right? It's not a recommendation. It is a clear command of Jesus. Now, forgiveness is something that we teach kids, don't we, right? Say you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. You know, you got to forgive them. You know, we talk to that with kids because when you're a kid, it's usually a fairly easy thing. You know, they said a mean word or they, you know, they kind of bumped you or hit you or something like that. But if we're honest, when we get older, it gets a little bit more complex. Forgiveness can get more challenging. And oftentimes forgiving others can feel counterintuitive. And it can feel even foolish because sometimes, sometimes the people who have hurt you, sometimes they don't repent. Sometimes they don't change. Sometimes they don't even act like they're sorry, you know. And yet, Jesus commands us to forgive. Now, why are we talking about this in a marriage relationship? Because anybody who's been married for more than two seconds knows you're going to have some stuff you're going to have to forgive (laughs) in a marriage because you're not perfect. There are times when, on a regular basis, I do things where I hurt my wife unintentionally, right, where I do things where I need her to extend forgiveness toward me or I need to extend forgiveness toward her. That's Normal, but it isn't just in marriage relationships, it's in every relationship in our lives. There's something that's true, it's just true in this world. It's this that people hurt people. Can I get an amen? Right? Like, people that's just life, they do. They whether they do it on purpose, whether they do it on accident, whether there's just no forethought to it whatsoever, people hurt people. It's a reality in life, and so. We're coming to this topic of forgiveness here, and I think it has something to say to every single one of us. And we're going to look at this uh, two different ways. Number one, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on forgiveness. What does he have to say about forgiveness? But then we're also going to look at the dangers of unforgiveness in our life. And we're going to deal with both of those things, and I think it will speak to us this morning, all right? So we're going to start with Jesus' teaching. What did Jesus have to say? And I'm going to give you a warning here this morning. Jesus' teaching Is radical when it comes to forgiveness. He's teaching the way of the kingdom. What does it look like in the kingdom of the world? And the reason it feels so radical is because it's so different than the way of our world. It's in absolute conflict with the ways of this world, what he's challenging us to take hold of. And so the passage that we just read, the two verses that we just read, to understand what the context is, if you kind of look just a couple verses in front of that, Jesus is, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching about prayer to his disciples and his followers. He teaches them this is what prayer looks like, how, all those kind of things. And then he goes through what we would consider the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, he does this whole thing. And one of the verses in that Lord's Prayer is what we see in verse number 12 where he says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he goes and he finishes the prayer. But what I find interesting is that Jesus, the the whole talk is about prayer. It's not about what's in the prayer. But it's like Jesus stops for a second because he knows what he just called people to pray is going to be a challenge for him. So he comes back and it's like he wants to clarify or expound on that one little sentence in the middle of that Prayer, And so in response, as soon as he's done praying, he says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. See, Jesus connects this idea that God's forgiveness of us, he connects that with our forgiveness of other people. And I think this is challenging for a lot of us. Because we want to just think, no, no, it's just, just this. I just get this, right? This is all that matters. What, this, my relationship with other people isn't that important. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not how this works. Like this is critical for this. You want to experience forgiveness from God, you have to actually extend forgiveness to those around you. And if you wonder, okay, what does that really mean? He gives clarity, verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a hard word for us. We don't want to believe that one. We no, no, Jesus loves, he forgives. I don't have to do anything to re- like free grace. It's all these kind of things he's saying. Hey, hey, you've got to actually extend this right. You want to receive it? You've got to extend this forgiveness. You want to experience it? You don't get a choice in this one. This is a command for those who call themselves followers of Christ. This is the way of the kingdom of God. It is to choose and extend forgiveness to those around us it says it this way in luke chapter 6 verse 37 he's forgive and you will be forgiven there's this connection that i think we miss out on sometimes and so jesus gives this very very strong command right forgive 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 but if you're like me i like to know okay well where's the limit (laughs) like where's the point where i get to say that's enough i don't have to forgive any more than that where is the limit here and, and this is actually something that we're going to turn to another passage. So if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to spend the rest of our time here looking at Matthew 18. Because Peter comes to Jesus asking this same very question. You know Peter, Peter's the guy, he always would speak up. So I'm sure he's heard all this teaching of Jesus about forgive, 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 forgive. And so I'm sure he's thinking, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to find out where the limit is, boys, okay? We'll figure it, it can't be. It can't be all that much. I'm going to figure out what the limit is. So he steps forward, and he speaks up to Jesus. But here's what's interesting. The teachers of the law at that time thought that you only had to forgive two or maybe three times. And so Peter steps forward in Matthew 18, verse 21. He says, he comes up there, and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins up uh, against me? Up to seven times. And you can just tell, he's thinking he's being amazing here in this spot, right? Because seven, number one, is the perfect number, so I picked the perfect number, right? And it's like two or three times as much as what the teachers of the law like, should we forgive seven times, Lord? And Jesus kind of throws him for one because he says, no, 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 not seven times, but 77 times. And in the original language, when you go to the Greek, there's some confusion as to whether it's 77 or 70 times seven, which would be 490 times. Either way, Jesus is trying to blow up Peter's understanding of limiting things, right? I'm going to limit how much I will forgive. I'll only do it this much. He's trying to challenge Peter to say, listen, no, 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 no. That's not how this thing works. There isn't a limit. We don't get to set a limit on this whole forgiveness thing towards others. And then Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the unmerciful servant. Now, some of you, if you want to go back and read this, you can read this. I'll kind of tell you the story. He, He says, there's a king. Right, there's a king out there, and he decides he's going to settle accounts with a bunch of the servants in his country. And so he brings one of the servants forward. And it says he brings a servant forward who owes him 10,000 bags of gold. Huge amount. 10,000 bags of gold. He says, pay up. We're selling this thing. Pay up. And the guy's like, no, no, have mercy on me. have pity on me. I, I don't have the money. And you read the story, and the king has compassion on this person. He says, you know what? More than giving you extra time, I'm just going to wash your debt clean. Totally wash it away. And it says that that servant leaves, joyful leaves, right? And as he leaving, he runs into another servant who owes him money. And this servant owed him 100 pieces of silver. And in that moment, he says, hey, pay me the money that you owe me. And the servant does the same thing that he had just done. He says, I don't have the money. I'm so sorry. Have pity on me. Have compassion on me. All right? But rather than having mercy like the king had on him, this servant says no. And he throws him into jail until he can pay up his debt. Now what is Jesus trying to point us to in this story? I think to understand the, the gravity of what's going on here, you have to understand the comparisons here. So, so for a day wage worker, like somebody who's just a, a poor worker here, that 10,000 bags of gold would have represented 200,000 years of salary. Like, that's how big this amount is. This 100 pieces of silver would have equaled 100 days of salary. 100 days, 200,000 years. If we put it into our money, it would be $3 billion debt, $6,000 debt. Okay? This is the compare. What is he trying to show here? He's demonstrating. listen, listen, all of you. In Christ, you have received grace and mercy and forgiveness that is unfathomable. You can't even understand what God has done for you. And as a result of what you have received, our calling is to extend forgiveness and grace to those around us. Paul talked about this over and over and over again where he said, forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven you. All you got to do is just give what you got. Give what you have received from God. Extend that to those around you. In comparison to the, the debt that we owe a perfect, holy God, in comparison to that, extend forgiveness to those around you. But Jesus ends this thing with a a really strong wording. I say it all the time. Actually, last year I had a little message I called Fuzzy Jesus. If you missed that one, you can go back and watch that one. Because I said a lot of times we like to listen to the really fuzzy Jesus moments, the really soft stuff, the tender stuff. You know, that makes us feel good, those comments. But Jesus ends this story in a rather challenging way. He finishes telling the story this. says, then the master, the original king, called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is a sobering challenge here. So I said, this isn't a recommendation here. This isn't like a, hey, here's a nice idea. You should try forgiveness. No, this is the expectation of a follower of Christ. Does it mean it's easy? No. Does it mean it's fun? No. No. Does it mean you're going to want to do this? Absolutely not. But this is what the call is. And we can't mess around with this because it's not only dangerous for our hearts, but it's actually dangerous for our very soul. Jesus is clear. If someone hurts you, your spouse hurts you, what is the expected response? Forgiveness. Now, maybe you're more spiritual than I am, uh, but does anyone else feel like that's not always fair? Like, I'm the one that got hurt here, Jesus. I'm the one that suffered, and now I'm the one who has to also do the work to forgive? Can you relate to that a little bit at times? I don't don't always want to do this, but I want to say something, and I've said this before, but I think this is so important for us when we approach the commands of God. And here's this. God doesn't command us to do anything that isn't inherently good for us. If he's commanding us to do a thing, he's not commanding us because he's going to be worse for us. He's commanding it because that's his way. That's the way of Christ, and it is the way toward Zoe life. And so if we're going to do this, we have to actually respond to it. If God has commanded us to forgive, there's got to be a benefit. And so I want to get to the big so what this morning. We're going to kind of hang here for the rest of our time. The big so what this morning is this. Forgiveness sets us free. Forgiveness sets us free. It sounds counterintuitive because I know, I know what you're probably thinking. No, forgiveness sets them free. It lets them off the hook. Like they, They're the one. Like That's why I don't want to do this because they don't deserve forgiveness. If I forgive them, then they get a pass. They get to walk away free. That's why I don't want to do this. But hear this. When we selfishly withhold forgiveness, what we don't see is the cost of unforgiveness in our own lives. Unforgiveness puts us in chains, okay? And I want to illustrate this this morning. I want to invite Jordan up. Can you join me up here? Give it up for Jordan. He's going to join me up here on the stage. (laughs) It's about to look real good. So, So here's what happens in life. You get this. There's something happens, somebody hurts you, somebody offends you, somebody does something to you. And in that moment, you have a choice. Like, what are you going to do in that moment? Are you, are you going to extend forgiveness? Right? If you do, you get to carry on. You've not taken on. But I think so often when someone hurts us, if we don't deal with it and we allow that bitterness and that frustration to grab hold, unforgiveness begins to settle in. So I kind of want you to hold this right there if you can. Okay, that's great. And what we don't understand is that we think that we're, oh, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They don't, they don't deserve any of this from me. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to continue to be mad at them. I'm going to make sure they know that they get to pay for what they've done. What we don't understand is that while we're, we're saying that, we're actually putting ourselves into bondage. We're chaining ourselves up. You know, because you sit there and you get bitter, you know what I'm talking about? Like you get, start getting bitter. Every time you think about that person, like it just starts to seethe in you a little bit. Now you're angry and just tense. You feel like, oh, can't stand them. And then, and then you replay that thing over and over again. Like that one thing they did, you keep talking about it. And then when, when you see them having fun in life, like you're just mad because like, they don't deserve to have fun in life. They should, be, they should be unhappy, right? That's what they want here. You can hold on to that for me. Thank you. Thank you there, Jordan. And, and, and here's something you need to know. Like sometimes unforgiveness makes you just more angry. You ever met somebody who's just like, man, they're just so angry all the time. Because it's hard to be happy and angry at the same time and and you're really just you've just kind of sucked your own happiness out because you're holding on to something towards somebody else you kind of put yourself in chains and here's here's the reality that we have to understand is that when we hold unforgiveness towards somebody that we don't see on a regular basis so let's say this is somebody from your past this is somebody you don't see on a regular. you know it's not in your family it's just somebody who's out there you don't see him on a regular basis here's the problem when you have that kind of unforgiveness, oftentimes the other person doesn't even know that you're mad at them. Like you're holding on to bitterness and they don't even know it, right? They did something to you and they're off living their life, doing whatever. They're not thinking about you at all. And over here, you're in chains, seething at the fact that you're mad about something that they did a long time ago. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Like they didn't even know. I'm going to tell you a so, This happened to me like a decade ago. Was a mo- it was one of the saddest moments that I've ever experienced. This woman comes to me at, at previous church I was a part of. and say, hey, Greg, can I meet with you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I hadn't connected in a while. i love to. Come into my office. Great. We set up an appointment. She comes in. Proceeds to tell me that for seven years she has been mad at me and harboring anger toward me and unforgiveness in her heart toward me. Seven years. Why? It was some decision that I had made seven years earlier, wasn't even that big of a deal, but she had got offended by that, was mad about that, and she had allowed that to lock in her heart. And she was angry at me and bitter at me, and she said this was something she had been struggling with for seven years, like just holding on to this thing. Why is it so sad to me? Because for seven years, I was living my life. I didn't have one clue that she was wrapped up in unforgiveness. She never talked to me about it. She never let me know. I didn't know there was anything wrong. And she's sitting here harboring anger toward me, and it's ruining her. It's destroying her while I'm going about living my life. Now, thank God she finally got to a moment where she was able to get to a place of healing and receive that. But I think, what if she'd have done that six and a half years earlier? Like, life would have been a lot better, but she had put herself into change because she has not taken the step to choose forgiveness, to pursue that reconciliation in her own heart. See, unforgiveness keeps you in change. My former pastor used to say this all the time. Unforgiveness is like drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies. And a lot of us live our lives that way. Like, they they don't deserve my forgiveness. You're right, they don't. Just keep yourself in chains then. That's fine. Let them continue to control your life because that's what we do. We let these people in the past. They're going to keep controlling me from the past. So this is what it happens when it's somebody that, that you don't really see on a regular basis. But when it's your spouse or when it's somebody that is close to you you see on a regular basis, how many of you know they're going to know that you're not happy with them? <laughs> There's no hiding unforgiveness. Like when there's, there's bitterness in your heart toward your spouse, they feel it. They know it. Okay? There's no question about it. And here's the problem is that in a relationship, you're like, well, how? Can, I, wish our, I wish our marriage was just so much more close. I wish we were more intimate. How in the world can you have an intimate relationship with somebody who's wrapped up in chains? Like how do you do that? And here's the worst part in marriages is that a lot of times... Both spouses are wrapped up in chains because they're both unforgiving toward one another. Both of you mad at each other, you know? And in marriage, it doesn't just take one instance. You know, I'm sure many of you have experienced, and there have been some horrible things that have taken place in some of your lives, and I understand that. There was that one moment. Maybe it was that affair years ago. Maybe it was that moment of deception, of lies, whatever it is, that moment a long time. That can happen in a marriage. But I also know that in marriage, sometimes unforgiveness doesn't come from one big thing. It comes from the accumulation of a lot of the same thing. You know? It's like that time that you were, hey, you you know, I don't feel like my my husband gives me any attention. And it was just one time, but now it's been 10 years of not feeling like that attention. And now I'm harboring unforgiveness toward them. I've held on. This thing has gotten... I mean, it just wrapped me up in chains because I I can't can't deal with it, you know. Whatever that is, it, it just grabs a hold of our heart. And we're like, I wish we had better relationships, but we're both locked in chains, and there's nothing that we can do about it. But see, this is what we have to understand is that you look at Jordan over here. If you notice something, I didn't put a lock on that chain. I didn't. He's holding on to the chain himself. And this is what unforgiveness actually is. And I want to say this to some of you. Some of you have been hurt in ways that I can't can't imagine. Some of you have suffered pain that is just horrible. And I want to just say I'm really, really sorry. I wish I could go back. I mean, I wish I could go back in my own life and, and prevent some of the ways that I have hurt my spouse. I wish I could. I wish I could go back in some of the situations that you've encountered and and just stop that moment from ever happening. I wish I could go erase the memories of those things. I wish I could do that. But I can't do that. But the last thing that you want to do is that hurt that you've experienced in the past. The last thing you want to do, that that person who hurt you 20 years ago, the last thing you want to do is continue to give them authority in your life and allow you to stay in chains. Like that's the last thing you want to do. God has has offered you freedom. He wants to set you free, but, but you're still living in those chains from the past. I wish it never happened, but I don't want you to stay stuck in chains. I want you to experience freedom and wholeness and healing in your heart because that's God's desire for you. He wants life for you, but something has to take place, and here's the reality. Forgiveness is simply the conscious choice to let go of the chain. When you have a moment where you just say, okay, I'm not holding on to this thing anymore. I'm not allowing this to keep me bound anymore. Oh, is it instantaneous? Not always. Usually it isn't. But it has to start somewhere. And I don't forgive because they deserve it and not because I feel like it, and not because it's easy, and not because it's comfortable. I choose to forgive because Christ has forgiven me, and because I know that forgiveness will set me free. Okay? Thank you, Jordan. You can step down. Uh, I was looking at different definitions of forgiveness, and this is the one that I think made the most sense for me it says this it's a conscious deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness see forgiveness isn't forgetting it's not i wish we could like men in black this thing and just like boop 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 you can't like you're gonna still remember stuff it's not forgetting it's choosing to let go It's releasing your right to hold on to that bitterness toward them. Because you have every right. They hurt you. You have every right to do that, but choosing to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose to let that go. Forgiveness doesn't mean things will go back to how they were. Sometimes new boundaries have to be established. You say, I've forgiven, right? And I'm going to continue to forgive, but there are some new boundaries here. We aren't going to operate the way that we did in the past. Now, if this is your spouse, then there's another step you're going to have to take. Because like, hey, spouse, I'm only going to see you once every six months. Usually doesn't work. Okay? If you want to have that, then it's going to demand some restoration and some reconciliation. It's going to take some really hard work. It's not going to happen overnight. Don't fool yourself into thinking, oh, Greg just said drop the chain and everything's going to be better. That's the starting point. And then it's going to take some work. Because just like we talk about following Christ, tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to want it to be all about you. Guess what? Tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going you're to hold on to that again. And to say, nope, I'm going to choose forgiveness today. I'm choosing to let this go. It is, a, it is something that you have to walk through a journey. And I'm going to respond to my spouse as you have responded to me. Your mercies are new every morning, and so therefore I choose to extend that mercy to those around me. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. So if you're waiting for a feeling to forgive someone, you're going to be waiting a long time because you will not feel like forgiving them. It's a conscious choice, and that's good news because you don't have to wait till you feel it. You can make the decision anyways. Say, I'm going to let this. I'm not going to hold on to this because I don't want to give them the control to still own me here. I'm choosing to let go. A few years ago, some of you would probably remember this story. There was something that took place with the um, women's female Olympic gymnastics team. And there was, a, there was a whole scandal that came out because one of the medical doctors who was overseeing all the women's Olympic gymnastics it turns out that for years, like decades, he had been sexually abusing girls. Hundreds of girls had been abused by him and had been hidden. It had been some, one of those things that kind of could just pressed down. Nobody talked about it. It finally comes out. One brave girl steps up, and then all of a sudden, there's literally hundreds of girls coming out talking about what took place. But when I, when I was reading about that story, this was years ago. I was reading about this. I came across just one of the most powerful things I've ever read in my life. And during the whole trial, there was the end where they allowed some of the different victims to be able to come and share with him listening in, and there was, a, there was one girl in particular who came forward, and she had written a letter that she read in front of everyone and in front of this man, the, the man who had sexually abused her, and this is the letter that she read to him. In our early hearings, you brought your Bible into the courtroom, and you have spoken of praying for forgiveness, and so it is on that basis that I appeal to you. If you have read the Bible you carry, you know the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is of God himself loving so sacrificially that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for the sin he did not commit. By his grace, I too choose to love this way. You spoke of praying for forgiveness. But Larry, if you have read the Bible you carry, you know forgiveness does not come from doing good things as if good deeds can erase what you have done. It comes from repentance, which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you have done in all of its utter depravity and horror without mitigation, without excuse, without acting as if good deeds can erase what you have seen in this courtroom. The Bible you carry says it, be- it is better for a stone to be wrapped around your neck and you thrown into a lake than for you to make even one child stumble. And you have damaged hundreds. The Bible you speak carries a final judgment where all of God's wrath and eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found and it will be there for you, Larry. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, though I extend that to you as well. How does a girl who's been abused sexually look into the face of another man and say, God's grace is available to you. It's one who knows the grace of God herself, who's experienced the mercy of God, knows the gravity of her own sin and her own desperate need of a savior, gives the ability to say, I can extend that grace to a man that I don't want to because that same good father is calling him to repentance as well. And so the invitation for every one of us this morning is this. It's the challenge I want to leave with you today. It's who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive and begin the journey? For some of you, you need to forgive your spouse because you are currently living in a place where it's just harsh toward one another. When your spouse walks in the door, you're angry. You're mad. You just wish they wouldn't come home. There's some work that probably has to be done there. Does it erase what they've done to you? No. But don't let it continue to keep you in chains. For some of you, there's somebody in your past that you need to extend forgiveness. There's somebody who's hurt you recently. There's a leader, a spiritual leader, a, an authority over your life that, it, that has hurt you in some way. And, and you still hold. When you think about them, it just grabs hold of you. But I know for some of you, the person you need to forgive is yourself. you're so wrapped in chains because you you think about your own past and what you've done and you can't actually receive the forgiveness of God because you keep regurgitating those things from the past. Then there's some of you who have been holding on to unforgiveness toward God because you said, God, I don't trust you anymore because I don't like what you've done. Listen, that decision to hold on to that is doing nothing less than keeping you in chains. And the invitation is to say, can we drop that? Can we lay that down for a second? Can we receive healing? And to begin the journey. It's a journey. It's not an overnight thing. For some of you, you may need to step in and get some help. You may need to seek a counselor to help walk you through a journey of forgiveness. You may need to spend some extended time in prayer before the throne of God, just receiving his love and grace and allowing him to transform your heart. There's supernatural work that needs to take place, but if you stay where you are, you will remain in chains, and you'll never experience the freedom and the health and relationships that God desires for you. I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room, and I just want us to pray for a moment. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your grace and your goodness, God, that we had a 10,000 bags of gold worth of debt that we owed, Father, but you said clean, new, you washed it white as snow. We thank you for that, Jesus. And Father, we just acknowledge that we need you right now. This is hard. This isn't an easy thing. As I said, this is something that the way of the, the kingdom of God is so contrary to the way of our world that this is a hard one, Lord. And we're going to need your supernatural strength. But the good news is that you said you put your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in me. And God, you will give me the power and the ability to do what I don't think I could even do right now. But I got to trust in you and I got to be willing to do the hard work, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, right now, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you're here this morning and you're, you're just saying, man, God's putting somebody right now There's somebody very specific on my heart right now that I I need to work on this whole forgiveness thing. I need to begin to lay it down. If that's you, just as an act of surrender before Jesus, nobody else is looking, just you and Jesus, just lift a hand and say, yeah, God, I need your help in that area. Yeah, yeah, just respond. Who is that? Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for all the hands raised across this room every single heart, God. It's a different story. There's a different pain that is represented by that hand. And God, I'm asking that you would do a supernatural work in that heart, Lord. Father, that, um, God, we pray, I, I pray bold prayers. I pray for the supernatural, miraculous freedom for people, God, where in one moment you can do a healing work in a heart and they choose to let go. God, you bring freedom where there is not freedom right now. I believe in that, Lord Jesus. But God, I pray for every hand raised, God, that they would also do the hard work of daily surrendering to you, daily laying this thing down, God, and seeing healing in their heart, God. God, you are a good father who can bring that to us, Lord, that can wrap your your hands around us and bring us wholeness where we are deficient, Lord. God, that can fill us up where we feel empty. And so, God, I pray again that we would see your goodness in your grace. God, we would receive your goodness and grace and therefore extend that to the, Around us, Jesus, we need that. Jesus, thank you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just sing this song as a response together? So come to the altar.
1: Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open. Christ oh come to the all
0: Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we did not deserve. We thank you for the freedom that we did not deserve. God. God, I pray that you would give us the power of your Spirit to extend your forgiveness to those around us, to extend your grace to those around us, not to treat them as they deserve, but to treat them as you have treated us. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for the person right now who's walked through hell. God, I pray for your grace. Pray for your mercy. God, you are patient with us because there's going to be days where it doesn't work out, right? There's going to be days where we mess up. But, Lord, I pray that you would extend the grace to them, Lord. Give them the power and the help, Lord, to be able to walk through this journey of healing, God, and of forgiveness. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite our prayer team forward. There's some of you that maybe want somebody to pray with you this morning. Um, But I just wanna challenge some of you, okay? This is not an easy thing, all right? And there are some of you, look at me, there are some of you who have been walking through this and you know you've been walking through unforgiveness for an extended period of time and you've been doing it by yourself. I'm gonna challenge you, seek some help. Whether that's another person, whether that's reaching out to a pastor, whether that's pursuing counseling with a Christian counselor, whatever that is, let's pursue health in our hearts, in our relationships. Because God desires the freedom for us. And sometimes we need each other to walk that and experience that. Amen? All right. We love you guys so much. Do not miss next Sunday. Do not miss next Sunday for Mother's Day. I know it's going to be a powerful word and a chance to hear what Amber's and It's going to be something we all need to hear, men and women alike. Otherwise, have a great week, guys. We love you so much.